Hey guys, welcome to the Lord of the Rings and Things podcast. I'm Erica. I'm Maya. Jenny. I'm Melissa, and this is the podcast I never asked for. But you're here. Welcome. I am. Tonight, we watched The Fellowship of the Ring, part one. Ladies, how, yeah. how do we feel? Yeah. So yeah. good. So good. And so it begins. So it begins. begins. Melissa, what were your initial thoughts? <laughs> First time you went to the Shire, you went to Rivendell, where, what did you feel? I mean, my first thought... When the lady started speaking in another language, I was like, oh my gosh, is this lady speaking in tongues? Uh, <laughs> like, this what got kind, biblical. What kind of movie is this? Um, it could sort of. <laughs> It's pretty. Uh, it's like, who the heck is this? Um, but no, it was just so visually appealing and so, mm-hmm. so rich in story. And I, yeah, I feel like I need to watch it seven more times just to unpack it. So... I might you need do. to do that. Yeah. <laughs> you do need to watch it seven more times. <laughs> I think every time you watch it, you find something to unpack. Even if you get, like, when you get older, like, Jenny and Maya and I grew up watching them. And I think the reason why we love them so much, in hopefully not a nerdy, but, like, in a way that the story has connected to us, but not in, like, a, I don't know. I don't think it's a weird way. I think it's just meant something different to us as adults. And so every time I watch it, I feel like there's something else to gain from it. Just the story of bravery and, like, being courageous. And so that's... We open Fellowship of the Ring, part one, with the prologue. All I wrote down for this was Kate Blanchett. <sighs> yeah. What age? She's a legend. She's a legend. Also, she hasn't aged a day. Not a day. Not a day. But I really feel like just in the first few seconds, she throws us into like a whole nother world just automatically. Yeah. You don't even have to think about it. You're just like, boom, Middle mm-hmm. Earth. Yeah. She does a really good job with that. That prologue is just insane. It's so much to unpack. So much. What What were things that stood out seeing it again for Melissa, for you the first time, for you guys, the you know 18th time? you want to go for it well yeah i um noticed the part when she said in this ring he poured his cruelty his malice and will to dominate all life Mm -hmm. and um i think that's just really interesting that the bad guy is the ultimate bad guy of all stories yeah like i think tolkien just dived right on in just right out the gate Mm -hmm. totally yeah one thing that I wrote down so many times in my notes was just how much in that 10 minute prologue how much she mentions the fall of men and how men uh just desire pride and power and all these things and I thought that was really applicable to Mm -hmm. real life too and that was a theme that I think I've thought about Lord of the Rings the whole time I've ever watched it, but also just specifically in that prologue over and over again, because it was talking about how the ring specifically just totally corrupts men. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. I love the opening lines. She says it in Elvish, and then she translate translates it, but she says, the world has changed. I feel it in the water. I feel it in the earth. You smell it in mm-hmm. the air. So the whole movies, they, they start out with this sense of like, the world was never the same after this. And you can't really tell if she's talking about 
before the rings were created or after, like mm. now with Frodo having the ring. So there's like this air of uncertainty that I love. I mean, it's not Kate Blanchett, it's Lady Galadriel who's, who's speaking, but she always is like this mysterious character, which we'll unpack later, but she, the fact that like you can't really tell, I mean, she's speaking in the past tense, but she's also like there in the story. Um, and Melissa's probably like, what the heck is going on? But <laughs> she's an amazing character and, and she's awesome. But Melissa, what did you think of the prologue? There's so much there. <laughs> there is just so much. It was hard to like keep up with everything for me. But um, yeah, I was just confused on how many rings are there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's fair. nine rings for the race of man. There's seven to the dwarves and three to the elves. Like, where did all those rings go when, like... Yeah, fair question. <laughs> oh, yep. And there's just, like, one that everyone's after. But, like, what about the other ones? Do they have mm-hmm. any powers or, like... Yeah. What are those for? Yeah, so the the elves, from my understanding... So, just a little bit of background. Maya probably... Maya and Jenny probably have a lot more... Or maybe Maya knows a lot about, like, the like the book, like, the Tolkien background. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, Jenny and I are kind of, like, fanatics about the movies. Mm-hmm, yeah. Like, the back behind the scenes, the New Zealand type things. So, I might go to Maya for this one. The three elves we know, obviously, Saruman, um, Gandalf, and uh, the... Um, Galadriel. Gladriel, and there's another one in The Hobbit that we find out later, but I don't think he has a ring. He's got, like, all the bunnies, and he's really weird. Well, Gandalf isn't actually an elf. He's just a wizard. You're right. So he doesn't have a ring, and that's why he doesn't accept the ring when Frodo offers it later. Oh, yeah. So, and Saruman doesn't have a ring. Oh, he gets a ring. He gets a ring, and he becomes Mm. a wizard. So becoming a wizard actually is Mm. not indicative of the ring but it did give people power mm-hmm. and lady galadriel is the only elf we encounter with a ring of power in the movies but tolkien does allude to other elves it's just not important to the storyline so i'd probably have to look it up on the wiki fandom to really get the details <laughs> on all the true. rings but basically melissa the the rings are were made by the evil dark lord and it was kind of his ploy to control people. But the only ring that really has power is the one ring. Mm-hmm. So, Or did Sauron, did he create all the rings or did he create just that one in secret? He created all of them. He created all of them. And he gifted them. them to humans, oh. elves, and dwarves. Yeah. And lied to them saying, this mm-hmm. is just for you. These are all the rings, and then in secret he made a ring that could control all of them and dominate all life and held all malice and bitterness. Which, doesn't it sound eerily allegorical to God giving, or the serpent, like, Mm -hmm. the the fruit in the garden? Like, there's just so much, like, Mm, allegory in this prologue that, that, again, is just a lot to unpack. But just, like, the idea of, like, power and control... And um, it gets touched on later, but the rings that go to the men, they end up turning into the Nazgul. So the ring has corrupted them, Melissa, and they end up being the ones that they're like slave to the ring. So they're the ones in the hoods with the horses and chasing Frodo and the fellowship throughout the 
And watching through this time, I noticed for the first time that later on in the movie they hit on that, that Sauron gave those to all of them to create greed mm. and to create the desire mm. to want to gain the one ring. So I thought that was really interesting because I never even heard that part So wow. you're saying that like he gave them those rings to greed after the one. Yeah. Like it would never be enough That's for the them. part that I caught on to that I never I even never heard caught on to that. Yes. Yeah. That is so powerful. Yeah. Well, th I mean, the prologue is a huge, but basically it goes into this big battle where the men fight against the dark, the dark power. So the dwarves and the elves are all working together, um, and, and they try to take down Sauron. And Isildur, the king of Gondor, um, strikes down Sauron and ends up taking the ring. And we find out later that Isildur... Um, well, we'll find out about that later, about what he ends up doing with the ring, what opportunity he might have mm -hmm. had with the ring later. Um, but he ends up um, falling into a river and, and dying, and um, Gollum, or Smeagol, finds mm -hmm. the ring later. But that's kind of the fate of Isildur and the ring there. Mm -hmm. I have one more interesting thought that I um, discovered through the prologue this time. Yeah. She talked about how the ring like made a decision to leave people, like it left Isildur, it left... Um, Smeagol, and I thought it was interesting that the ring never leaves Frodo. I mean, mm. essentially throughout the whole trilogy, and I thought that would be really interesting to look back on because she mm. talked about the ring like it had a personality, like yeah. it could choose to leave people when it wanted to, like with a seal door or, you know, when Smeagol loses it in the caves, and that doesn't happen to Frodo. And so Whoa. I'm like, I literally it blew my mind, and I wrote it down in a quote right here because I was like. Why doesn't it leave Frodo, even though it tries, like, over and over and over again? But it still doesn't happen. She literally says the ring has betrayed Isildur. Yeah. Like, she says that, that the ring yeah. will betray him. Yeah. Yeah, I've never thought of it that way. Well, and the funny thing is, Tolkien himself said never to read The Lord of the Rings and take it for allegory, but it is so hard not to. Yeah, Because there is so much out... And I think the point is he's trying to make... He wants you to take the story as the story, mm -hmm. but I still love applying allegory, so I'm sorry, Tolkien, <laughs> but your characters are way too Why did he say powerful. that? Why wouldn't he want us to? It's Wasn't so his need to be so interesting? I have no idea. Because he really wanted to be. What an Enneagram 4, am I right? Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Good point, though, Maya. Good point. That is awesome. Well, Listen, yeah. any other questions that you had? Again, lots, lots there. Maybe the second time around when we watch the movie. Oh, totally. <laughs> well, I mean, it's basically the history of Middle Earth. So yeah, it's, it's kind true. of a lot. It kind of goes through a lot in a short amount of time. And when you read the book, it gets worse. So <laughs> It's true. That, yeah. So after the prologue, we are in the fellowship of the ring now. So basically that scene breakdown, it's not super important. But mm -hmm. we're now in the Shires. So... We see Mr. Bilbo Baggins riding in his wonderfully cozy hobbit hole, and he is writing his book there and back again, and the hobbits are introduced here, so what do we love about the hobbits? I mean, we learn a lot about them here. They're everybody's favorite. Is that an extended edition scene, that whole Hobbit montage? It is, Because yeah. I feel like I watched that for the first time today. It is. The whole yeah. introduction to the hobbits, and I was like... Wow, this is so much more than we get in the original. It, it or definitely the is. Actually, in the Fellowship of the Ring, the book, 
they talk about, he talks about the hobbits for like 10 chapters. Crazy. He talks about just the history of hobbits, what they eat, how their hair looks, their shoes, their clothes, their crops. For so many chapters. Mm. <laughs> so poor Peter Jackson was like, we just cannot. <laughs> they made a great montage. They though. did a great montage. So Melissa, how could you, why would, how would you summarize a hobbit? <laughs> I mean, well, their real passion is food. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I you can got relate. That. We love Hobbit. You caught it. Uh, and brewing their own ales and smoking pipes and just having a peaceful and simple life. Bro. Peaceful life. Peaceful and quiet life. The dream. <laughs> oh. What I thought was interesting leading into it, um, not to go back to Kate Blanchett or anything, but Please, she said, always Kate. the time will come when hobbits will shape the fortunes of all, mm. and then we transition into these, That's like, how the weirdos. ends. Yeah. yeah. These weirdos are picking their nose, and they're smoking pipes, and they're, they're like, trying to hit the stake into the ground and missing, and it's like... <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, my favorite part of almost all of the Lord... I have a lot of favorite parts, but one of my top favorite parts is this prologue. Yeah. Of, mm-hmm. Because... It makes me feel like me and all of my stumblings and bumblings and craziness can still be important and matter. Whoa. Just like the hobbits. That is such a fun line that she says. And like, mm-hmm. almost that like the the hobbits don't know that they have that much weight to them. And yeah. I did appreciate how much time was spent in the beginning there in Hobbiton and the Shire because mm-hmm. I feel like it really sets up the story with a little bit more lightheartedness, yeah. if you will, before we really dive into the deep and dirty. Right. Which is what makes the Fellowship of the Ring, the first movie, so special because yeah. there's just so much um, context being provided. And you really fall in love with the characters, especially Frodo and Sam and Merry and Pippin and what makes... You need to know all of these things about them to realize how brave it was for them to leave. And you see Sam, you know, he says, if I take one more step, it'll be the farthest I've ever left the Shire. That's a really important line because he's, that is the farthest he's ever gone. And it's Mm. so brave for them to leave. They've never passed that cornfield, that kid, the carrot field with, um, Buckberry field or something like that. So... It's it's awesome, um, but we're preparing for Bilbo's birthday. He's turning 111 years old. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> and then Gandalf comes. So Frodo and Gandalf have a sweet little scene, and Gandalf has that iconic, a wizard is never late, everyone else is simply early line, which mm. eerily reminds me of Princess Diaries. Do you remember when yes, Julie, Julie Andrews. Andrews says that? What is that line? Uh a queen is never late. She arrives precise. Oh, wait. precisely when she means to. Wait, maybe is that what Gandalf says? And then Julie Andrews says, a queen is never early. Everyone else is simply late. late. Yes. 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 We've got it so backwards. Oh, my God. Sorry, We're so gross. See, For here's the lines. thing. I hey, just... but they're both legends. Oh, Julie Andrews and Ian McKellen. Dude. Yeah. Dame. <laughs> yes, Dame Ian McKellen and Dame. Or no, Dame is female. I said dang. <laughs> I was like, are you trying to say damn, damn or what? No, hold on. <laughs> I'm looking this up. Ian McKellen is like knighted by the queen or whatever. Not hmm. surprised. Keep talking about it while I Google this. Melissa, thoughts. <laughs> the music, the do, 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 do. And you have like pipe weed and sunshine. <laughs> yes. Birds. Uh, I just, I loved the visual of it. I loved how 
peaceful they made it, but also how dopey they made everybody look. Yeah. Um, and it just sets it up so well to for the unexpected heroes of the story and um, the journey that they're about to embark on and just how huge it is, Like just like you were saying, Erica. Mm. Um, and yeah, I feel like you just fall in love with the characters um, in their home yeah. habitat where they're at. <laughs> it really is habitat. a habitat, habitat a whatever habitat. you would call it. A habitat. <laughs> so cute. Um, and you really fall in love with them and see like the little quirks that they have, like Bilbo and his franticness, but also just his genuine sweetness that he has, mm. um, despite like just being obsessed with this ring um, and his willingness to leave it. Um, to move on with his life and just the freedom that comes with that. And um, I really loved Sam. I thought he mm-hmm. was just the cutest and sweetest. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I I really just fell in love with a lot of the different hobbits that we met. So Yeah, there's some... I think that's a really cool point. I think this is the first time... Also, I looked it up. Julie Andrews is a dame. She was... No. She was like, the queen did something cool for her. And I don't know what a dame means, but... Wow. You can email us at Lord of the Rings podcast or Lord of the Rings and Things podcast at gmail.com and let me know. (laughs) But no, Melissa, there was a really interesting point you said about like the chaotic energy of Bilbo that I noticed more watching this time than ever before. Just like he's always fiddling with it in his pocket, him just like, you know, and and we'll we'll get to his conversation with Gandalf maybe in a sec. But um, yeah, I think that that's a really good point. And Jenny, you said you you had a comment about that. Oh yeah, I was just noticing. I wanted to pay attention this time around to how each character is introduced, mm-hmm. and so especially in Hobbiton, I was paying attention to the four main hobbits throughout the trilogy. And just really quickly, I wanted to go through this. I thought it was interesting how when we we're first introduced to Frodo. He's sitting alone under a tree reading a book, just very much in his own headspace, which I feel like is super indicative to him all the way throughout the trilogy because he's carrying such a burden. He's just Mm. very much in his head. Sam, when we first see him, he's literally in his garden taking care of things. And I thought that that was super big for... Whoa. Yeah. because so good. He takes care of Frodo and, you know, the situation the whole way through, which we'll get to. And then Marion's Yeah, no. <laughs> whoops. Mary and Pippin, literally the first second we see them on screen, they're causing mischief, which yeah. happens all the way through. And so I thought it was a really good move by Peter Jackson and the team to introduce those characters in a way that we're going to see them throughout the mm-hmm. trilogy. Wow. And that just meant a lot to me because I was like, whoa, they really so put a lot of thought into that. And maybe yeah. I'm really overthinking it, but that was cool to oh, me. Oh, I love it. I didn't even pay attention to Sam's intro. He was just in the garden. He was... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maya's actually, on the edge of her seat. Maya yeah, so Maya. Say. <laughs> I have a fun fact about Sam in the garden. Um, that was actually filmed after all of the... The whole thing was filmed. No. So that one moment of Sam gardening is his moment of almost going back to the beginning as an actor. Oh. And he's a lot thinner. You can see it in his, like, neck <gasps> and everything. That's true. He's, yeah. like, so much more trim. And it's because they filmed it after they filmed the whole show. Great so, fun fact. Why do you think they did that? Why do you think they made that him do that after? I don't know if they say why. I don't mm. remember. Or do you think they were like, oh, dang it, we need that shot? That, that couldn't have been a mistake. Yeah. Maybe they were like, we need to introduce That him. had to have been an intentional mm-hmm. decision. That is... 
very interesting, Jenny. I just thought it was out. cool. That is I so was like, cool. And it makes me want to pay attention to how each character is introduced throughout the whole trilogy. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that's important. That is, wow. that is so important. And then it, I kind of want to go back and see how how everyone else is introduced. Yeah. Like, I don't know if they'll be quite as maybe intimate as, as those, but... Right. That's that's yeah. really like, special. How was Gandalf introduced? How was mm. the White Wizard? What's his name again? Sauron. Sauron. Oh, oh my gosh. Sauron. We're at that. It's hard, right? Point tonight. I know. Sauron. Saruman. I've always been like Tolkien. Why? I know. Oh, Sauron is the Eye. Saruman is the White Wizard. Right. Yeah. So I felt the same way about Arrowin or. Arwen and Eowyn. 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 Yeah. I'm like, are you kidding me? Melissa has not met Eowyn, but we oh, have. Yes. I have things to say. I have putting, no idea what's going on. I'm putting a pin in that. <laughs> also, there's a big difference between the book and the movie, but that's all I'll say. Okay. Yeah, Maya digresses. Um, all right, so we finally have this beautiful reunion between Gandalf and Bilbo, and there's some really, really spectacular lines. The quote. <clears throat> the line that always, always sticks out to me is Bilbo saying this. First off, I think it's just so special. You, I mean, I think Tolkien or um, Peter Jackson, the director, directed this movie really well, knowing that most of the people who would watch these movies knew what Lord of the Rings was about, right? That they've read the Hobbit books. So the fact that you can just immediately absorb this chemistry and deep friendship from Gandalf and Bilbo that, you know, these characters haven't ever been in a scene together before, but you can just automatically, I mean, just the joy that they see with each other. And also keep in mind that these actors, Ian McKellen was acting with a small scale double the whole time. He wasn't even acting with Bilbo's character. He was acting with um, Kieran Sean, who was one of the small-scale doubles for The Hobbits. So the the fact that these actors were just able to to convey these really powerful, chemistry-rich scenes has always been really fascinating. But um, Bilbo's line that he just feels like he's butter being scraped on too much bread is just a so really good. fascinating yeah. line. It's a really cool analogy and. I think it speaks to a lot of, of what he's going through. Which would be interesting to hear what you think on that, because when he's talking about how he's fading, he obviously looks fine. He looks, like, young enough. Yeah, you, Melissa. Did you have any thoughts on that? Well, I just wondered maybe, not, like, physically, but mentally, the the ring might have taken such a toll on him that, like, emotionally or spiritually or whatever it might have been, um, that he was fading and so that he just realized it's time that I, I need to give up this burden um, and go away and finally kind of live the rest of my life and do it without this burden with me. And so that's kind of how I interpreted it. Great, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> no, that's so great. Which I wrote down one thing that kind of relates to that. Um, after Bilbo drops the ring, after much convincing from Gandalf, he turns back to Gandalf, and the last thing he says is, I thought of an ending for my book, and he lived happily ever after. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, he can say that after giving up the ring? Like, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's That true. really stuck out to that's me. That's a good point. Whoa. He can say, I lived happily ever after, when he mm. just dropped the thing that meant the most to him. Mm-hmm. I thought that was cool, too. But that he's living with this tension that he can't. he's about to walk out the door from his journey, and he can't even get it out of his yeah. hand. Like... He can't even drop it. Gandalf's right. like, aren't you forgetting something, Bilbo? And he like is like, oh, yeah, the ring that I've been talking about getting rid of for decades. Yeah. Like, just this insane, like, 
pull that he feels. I just want to interject here with that moment. There's a cinematic moment where the ring falls down on the ground and they edited it so well that the ring doesn't bounce. And to me, that is very, um, you could compare that to the Jurassic Park puddle shaking, like the cinematic power of that, even though today we're we're probably used to Avengers and all these big time mm-hmm. amazing movies with these special effects, but during that time, that was incredible. Yeah, those special effects in this movie were ahead of its time. Ahead of its time. Yeah, I think there's so much in in these movies that is just like these people were just winging it. I mean, and we'll get and obviously there's so much to unpack just even in that just the cinematic. Um, mountains that they literally, legitimately, actually climbed to to accomplish these movies to deliver such a incredible story. Um, but yeah, so so Bilbo and, and Gandalf have this conversation, and Bilbo yeah. basically says like, "I'm gonna leave, and I'm gonna leave um, the the little home and everything that I have to to Frodo, and that includes the ring." And um, Gandalf is like, "I think that that's great," and then. They smoke a pipe, which could be weed, could just be regular. I'm, I'm still not sure. It's <laughs> weed, weed, weed. It's weed. It's probably weed. He says it's weed. I'm it's sure. Like tumbleweed, no. but no, it's it's um a certain type of pipe weed. It's like tobacco. It's ah, not dang it! <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know, I feel like in this podcast, Maya's gonna be that girl from the Magic School Bus, where she's like, according to my research, hop <laughs> on the Magic School Bus. Oh yeah. No, but Maya, we need somebody on here like that. We do. A Miss Frizzle. Tell me when I'm Can I know it all? Crazy chaotic Miss Frizzle. Frizzle. <laughs> oh, I said I wanted way. to be Miss Frizzle. Oh, sorry. I thought Maya was the blonde who isn't reading her books. <laughs> <laughs> you know who you can be? You can be Arnold. Remember when they Thanks! They take the school bus into his cut? And <laughs> <laughs> she so... has to be Miss Frizzle. Whoa! She has <laughs> to have the main role. What? I am a teacher by profession. How Chat, is that the main role? It's <laughs> it's called the Magic School Bus. I know All right, Erica, you can bus. be the bus. <laughs> you oh, can be the Melissa. So you guys, the ca- casting around here is getting fuzzy. guys. We're cutting all of this out because I'm I think offended. it's funny. Okay. Don't be offended. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then you're Arnold. Get over it. I'm fine okay. with that. I'll be the sore wound. <laughs> Feel free to interject yeah. with more thoughts. Here. I've never seen the magic school bus. <laughs> oh so. my gosh. Rough. Is that the next podcast? Melissa. <laughs> no, Whoa. definitely not. No. <laughs> it's a great I learned so much from the magic school bus. Yeah, but I just remember blood cells floating around and it really scared me. Where are you? That is true. <laughs> like, blood cells floating <laughs> around. <laughs> Um, okay, so Bilbo gives his speech. Melissa, any anything standing out about the party scene before he dips? Uh, no, I mean, like, I was just like, what a way to go out. Like, for what a sure. clever party trick. Oh. <laughs> just pop out Definitely. Like Why did he feel that he needed to disappear in front of everybody? I've always wondered that. Why didn't he just mm. leave? Mm. Do you know, Maya? I always thought that was odd. Hmm. I don't know. Like, you want to go out that way, or... What? There's times I want to disappear from my own parties. Not when you guys are over, but... Thanks. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> my just puts on a ring like, got a blast. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wonder if some of it is as, like, an anxiety. He was like, I'm running out of things to say, so I'm just going to dip. Or, like, 
this is my legacy. And I thought he was planning it the whole time. I think I think he is, but I, I I don't know. That's just a devil's advocate. Like I don't know. What do you think, maybe, Melissa? Maybe it was like a now or never kind of situation where it's like he. I mean, obviously, like he may not love everybody, but he still loves his community, mm. um, and. He he has stayed for so long already that like he's been comfortable and he's mm-hmm. been trying to determine this for like many years of yeah. whether he should do this or not and I think maybe like he just realized I'm getting old I'm fading, um, it's it's now or never and what a way to go out maybe he's very I don't know yeah. <laughs> out there I wonder yeah. if he maybe wanted to prove everybody to everybody that there was more to him because for years mm-hmm. they've just been making fun of him because he talked about this huge adventure he went on aka yeah. the hobbit and um pe- people didn't believe him people thought he was crazy mm-hmm. maybe he wanted to disappear in front of everybody to kind of prove that he was like magical I mean or like had this background yeah. all that that's my thought yeah I think that's a really good point. Yeah. He's probably just like driving the knife in. He's like, haha. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. you all think I'm insane? Well, watch this. Yeah. And Gandalf says some cool things to him when they get back in the house, and I can't even think. But that might all, whatever Gandalf said to him then could have been an indication of like, did, I don't remember. Did he say, like, why did you do that, man? I don't even remember. Now. <laughs> hey, man, that's not cool. Hey, don't put that ring on, man. <laughs> I can't. Yeah. I can't remember. But or he said something about um, magic rings shouldn't be used. In yeah, that I thought he said, he said like something that. kind of like, hey, no, no, man, mm-hmm. this is a magic ring, don't play with it. But, um, okay, Melissa, I was so curious what you thought about this scene. So Bilbo um, feels really threatened when Gandalf is, like, asking him about the ring, and he's like, no, it's mine, it's my own, it's my precious. And he gets very, like, Gollum-esque, um, which you'll meet him later but Gandalf gets really big on him and he goes Bilbo Baggins and then he goes I'm not going to hurt you and then Bilbo like gets all whimpery and runs and gives him a big hug and so I just always found that scene as a kid I remember seeing Gandalf get so big and being like oh like daddy's mad my dad's mad at me he's gonna (laughs) yell at me and then like that conversation you have with your dad later like I'm sorry, Dad. <laughs> like, that's what that scene reminds me of. And so, again, I think it just plays to their relationship. But what did what did you think of that, Melissa? I feel like, because the first time I watched that scene, I was like, what's happening? No, I thought it was just a very tender moment. Even though, I mean, Gandalf was literally yelling. And, like, it's almost like he was casting out some, like, demonic force it, out it of him. It feels, yeah. feels, like feels kind of like a, like, he's casting it out of Bilbo. Yeah. Um, because Bilbo somehow, like, took on, like, maybe the ring gives, um, whoever owns it this, like, greed, this, like, spirit that, like, overcomes them in a way mm-hmm. when they get too obsessed with it. I don't know how, yeah. what You're that was You're catching on. <laughs> She's uh, a servant. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we have a good audience member. We give it up for this. The ring makes you greedy. The ring makes you greedy. The ring makes you greedy. Good job, Melissa. Catching on to motifs. Oh my gosh. But we're not taking allegory here, you guys. No, sorry, JR. I'm going to watch these movies differently now because you just said that. Yeah. But I also kind of like disobeying. Tolkien. Yeah, it's I mean, really fun. You I, can't put a story out there like this and not expect people to take it 
yeah. spiritually and deeply and like Especially changed. for him being such a scholar. I mean, yeah. he was like a scholar of his time. Well, I think that's the point is he's saying because it's not a perfect allegory, so don't do it, but at the oh. same time he wants you to do it. It's almost like mm. he's like, "Don't," but like, "Don't okay. do it." Yeah, <laughs> maybe a little, but do it a little, a little bit. if you want. <laughs> In concluding our time at the Shire, just for the sake of all of our listeners, the all three of them, whoever listens, we don't care. Um, just for the sake of time, we're gonna get out of the Shire. We're gonna do some traveling. So Gandalf tells Frodo that Bilbo has left, that he will be in charge of the ring, and Frodo freaks out, reasonably so, and he says that the bad guys are gonna come here, so I need to leave, and Gandalf says, yes, you do. So Sam, you dropping eaves are going to go with him and be his watchdog. So the two set out and they stumble upon Merry and Pippin and Merry and Pippin join in the fun as well. Um, there's also two kind of plots happening at the same time. So Gandalf is going back and he's meeting with Saruman. Um, he's the um, white wizard. Um, and we find out that Saruman has been corrupted by Sauron. So he's working with him. So that's a big plot. Um, Gandalf tells Frodo that he's going to meet him at the Prancing Pony that doesn't happen because he is now imprisoned with Saruman. So the four Mary Pippin, Sam Frodo set out, set out for the Prancing Pony um, where they meet Strider. There's a, kind of a lot that happens in between them. They're getting chased by these Nazgul. It's these crazy shots. Um, Melissa, what were your thoughts? Who's this hooded man in the corner? I was like, dang. That jotline. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Mortison, hello. Welcome to the movie. <laughs> Mysterious <laughs> you. I am definitely married. Um, <laughs> Shout out to Nick. Yeah. Hey, Nick. We love you. Sorry, You're we're not listening. I know. <laughs> Sorry, uh, yeah, that, that was my thought. Right. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Wait, that's literally Jawline. Jawline? That's literally all I wrote. <laughs> Maybe it was the wine. I don't know. My brother and I, we used to comment on the way he said, you draw far much, far too much attention to yourself, Mr. Underhill. We used to say that line to each other because we thought it was so funny the way he said that. So Underhill. <laughs> he just says it so funny. Mr. Underhill. Dragging him up the stairs. <laughs> Drags him up the stairs. I also love the part when like Frodo and um no, is it Pippin? They're trying to figure out if they trust Strider or not. Yeah. Also known as Aragorn. Yeah. Um and and Frodo says, I think the enemy, a servant of the enemy would look fair and feel fouler. Yeah. And I think we experience that when we first see Strider. Because we're like, because yeah. we're like, I don't think I can trust him. He's scary. He's in the dark corner. He's dangerous. But I think we have the same as an audience member. We're like, I think it should be more dangerous for us not to trust him. And then we're like, after the whole, they come in with the candlesticks mm -hmm. and the stool and they're like unhand him you know they're so mad and I think that's the moment where like I think we can trust him mm -hmm. but I'm not sure yeah I think skipping forward um again for the sake of time when we're at Weathertop now they're camping there I think that's really when Mary and Pippin start to trust him I mean Mary has kind of that sideline as they're walking to Weathertop like are we sure we can like he drops another comment like that and they finally get to Weathertop and I think once Strider comes in and saves Frodo like 
I don't think Mary and Pippin quite realize the gravity of what's going on until they get to the Prancing Pony. First off, I wrote in all caps, has anyone explained to Mary and Pippin what is going on? Nobody has said anything along the lines of, there is a ring, people are trying to kill you, <laughs> until like... I don't know when. I mean, I think they eventually figure it out, but nobody explicitly tells them what's going on. Which I don't even think so after the council. I don't think so either, because, I mean, we finished that iconic line. That, I think they're just those noble yeah. friends who are yeah. just like, hey, I, I love you, and I'm here, and I'll fight for you. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Check right. out these pints. Right. Yeah. They have pints? Oh, yeah. yeah. Second breakfast, that's a classic, classic scene. Classic line. I'm going to get one. <laughs> um, but until Frodo is like, I mean, you see like the look on their face like, He's gonna be okay, right? And like Strider's like, he's going to die. Like he was stabbed with a Nazgul blade. Like he's going to die. I think the stakes just get totally raised for them. Um, And which leads us to the most iconic and wonderful part of the movie, arguably, is everybody say with me. Arwen. Okay. Wow. Okay. <laughs> okay. Wasn't like, sure that could like Frodo getting stabbed. <laughs> like, what are we? What are we going for here? <laughs> I knew that that was a risk, but I was like, they'll catch on, guys. Arwen. Arwen. Oh. She looks First like off, an angel. First off, that musical theme though, when she comes mm. in, that choir girl. like an angel but then Frodo sees her Frodo sees white. her yeah as like an angel type whatever mm-hmm. and she's really just like in her riding clothes when it comes down to it but I love that yeah. he has that perception of her when he first sees her yeah it, maybe it is like she's actually gonna save me because I'm dying I don't know yeah absolutely and it makes you wonder like what is he experiencing where is he like he's in some sort of a supernatural realm he's dying he's going to become a nazgul if he's not saved so you you mm. kind of wonder what's happening spiritually so melissa i know you've been compared to an elf before so yeah. thoughts on meeting arwen oh, i was like so she's the one that I think <laughs> <laughs> that's the elf that's halloween me. costume Oh uh, yeah, I was like, how can I become Arwen for Halloween? <laughs> it Nick, can happen. You can be Aragorn. Yeah, it would be very <laughs> nice couple. Such a nice couple. Oh man, Liv Tyler, she's she's Babe. an icon. She is an icon, not only for her dad being her dad, but just her being in this movie. And anytime there's a woman that comes on my screen in this in these movies, I'm like, it's a girl, guys. It's a girl, girl. What? Well, <laughs> And actually something interesting about that is she's not that great or badass as yeah it, as I, she in the yes. books as she is in the in movies. The movies. Um, but we'll get later on to Wait, she's a, not as badass in the movies. Books. She has a very minor role in the books. She she's wow. just background. Like the focus is always Aragorn and the focus is on the House of Elves. And okay. in the book you end up reading tons and tons of songs that they sing and they sing songs to Elbereth which is an allegory for God sorry Tolkien mm-hmm. um <laughs> he's rolling in his grave he's listening to this <laughs> 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 he's like now those girls that stupid podcast <laughs> I loved how they portrayed her as more like a warrior mm-hmm. um like a warrior princess queen or whatever yeah um rather than just angelic Like, she is angelic, but at the same time, like, she's a warrior, and she literally outraced those, um, 
Nazgul. Nazgul, pterodactyl crying. Exactly. <laughs> With the hoods. <laughs> yeah. Um, and she, like, called on water and earth, and she's so in touch with, like, her powers of, like, the elements of the earth that she defeated them, or at mm-hmm. least in those moments. And so I loved how they portrayed her as just so... Yeah. No, but also, I think this is a big talking point in this this first part of the movie, is the fact that that is ahead of its time. These movies, in the sense that there wasn't a lot of movies where these women were doing cool things. The fact that she faced off this army of Nazgul, and there's something so subtle about her womanhood in these movies that, like, makes it so powerful. It's not like, I'm a woman, and I'm badass and amazing. It's like, I'm here to help and save and there's something like just like more powerful about that subtlety if you want him come and claim him it's like a quiet yeah courage it's a quiet courage and she plays a she plays a minor role but she's so significant she plays a minor role in the sense that she doesn't have a lot of screen time per se as the movies go on but i mean you feel her gravity that's what's so great about peter jackson is he created icons out of seconds yeah Yeah. absolutely constant icons which doesn't necessarily betray what tolkien did i think just only expands on what he might not have had time for. Exactly. Like, I mean, those books, there was only so much he could he could touch on. Well, and he was a lot more literary, a lot yeah. more poetic. And Absolutely. explains the trees and the rocks and Let the me stars. talk about this rock for three pages. Oh, and by the way, there's a backstory that I need to talk about. And he goes <laughs> on and on about the backstory. He's like, can I tell you the history of this creek that she just crossed? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. I also wrote down the word compassion because I felt mm. like I could really feel the compassion in Arwen when Frodo, like, literally almost dies right when they cross the river. Yeah. She gets down next to him and holds him and is, like, crying. Mm. And I was like... Whoa, you don't even know this dude. You met him like a day ago, but you know the weight of the situation? Yeah. And her compassion for that situation? Massively effective. Hugely, because, and this, the immortality of the elves weighs so heavily on the fate of the ring. So Mm. not only is Arwen's future going to be affected by the reality of this ring, it's also going to be affected what happens to Aragorn. She's going, she's willing to give up her immortality for him. So she's carrying this, and we can talk about this later because it's kind of a lot, but the, yeah, the, the, the fate of the elves in the ring, they have this very, any magical element in Middle Earth is dependent on the power of the ring. So... Depending on what happens to the ring, that will determine the fate of the elves. And so she feels that. You see these tears run down her face. She's cradling him. She knows that he's small, but he's carrying this huge task. And you see that later on in part two of Fellowship in the Ring with Lady Galadriel. Like, she cares for Frodo in such a deep way. She looks in his eyes and... She knows that he's small, but, like, he carries his great weight, and Gandalf just sees him so intimately. So this idea of being small but carrying mm-hmm. such a great burden is so well, powerful. And going off your idea of immortality, I think the elves, in my mind, have always represented, like, the immortal ones, you know? And when I think of um, what heaven might be like, I always think of Rivendell, Rivendell and... Um, how in the books the elves are really joyful and they laugh a lot and mm-hmm. they make fun of um they make fun of Bilbo and they they yeah. like joke around a lot <laughs> and they're just so joyful together and and Arwen's deep beauty and care and love I think Peter Jackson built 
pulled from that like eternal feeling that like compassion and immortality wow totally yeah well speaking of Rivendell we get there um Rivendell Rivendell can we talk about the musical theme of this You can just enter Thomas Kincaid. Yeah, you know, we're just going <laughs> to pretend I didn't sing that. And it's basically like the same track. Me singing that just now? Yeah. You know what? That is We're going to cue it. <laughs> Boom. Um, so we're in Rivendell, and we have, we see Bilbo telling Frodo about this book that he's writing, and Frodo really confides in Bilbo and says, I'm not like you, I'm not brave like you, and Bilbo is encouraging, and, but sort of creepy, and, because he has that kind, or is that that, is that this scene where he, like, does that scary, oh, different scene, oh, 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 <sighs> sorry guys, I'm jumping sorry, in. Sorry, Melissa. <laughs> Don't worry about it. It's next I was like, what scene was this? When they see Elrond and Gandalf, they're in the room, they're trying to figure out what the heck to do with the ring. I thought that's super interesting that two of the smartest people don't even know what to do in this situation. And Elrond literally says to Gandalf, this ring cannot stay here. And you see Gandalf doing this game in his head like, well, what now? Like, Mm -hmm. I thought that the ring was going to be able to stay here. Now I have to tell Frodo, like... Like, what, does Frodo just, you know, I so I think you see Gandalf wrestling here, but they're literally like, this is not going to end well, and I think Gandalf's, like, worst fears are kind of actualized when he hears somebody else as powerful and as wise as Saruman saying to him, like, yeah, like, Saruman's right, like, this is not going to go over well, um, which leads to the council, which is such an iconic scene, so uh, we One meet- does not simply... <laughs> Honestly, though, this is an iconic scene. We get so many characters. We got Legolas, we got Gimli, we got Boromir entering, and others. It's Orlando Bloom. Orlando Bloom. I repeat, Legolas. I repeat, Legolas has entered the chat. It was a good moment. Again, with the iconic couple seconds. Yeah. Peter Jackson. I mean... That dude knows how to cast a movie, I'm just gonna say. I mean, Orlando Bloom... Really, I mean, I was 11, I think, the first time I watched these <laughs> movies, but I I was young, but I knew Orlando Bloom was going to raise the bar. He was going to set the bar for... I, re- I remember my friends had, like, a big poster of Orlando oh, Bloom. As I a definitely, definitely did. Had I had that. You had like one? Poster. Tell us about it. You oh, had yeah. oh, yeah, my the brother's The biggest room. poster that you can buy, like, in oh, the store. Legless face. Boom. Bada bing. On my wall. Right. My whole life. Right next to Nick Bada <sighs> Jonas, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Simpler times, I'm going to tell you, 2007. Simpler times. Unfortunately. This came out in 2001, yeah. didn't it? Well, yeah, but I wasn't watching this movie when I was two oh, years fair, old. No. Fair, 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 fair. <laughs> 2007 fair. is when I was watching it. My mom was actually sitting in the movie theaters watching it, and I tripped and fell, stabbed myself in the back of the throat <gasps> with a whistle, went to the hospital, got stitches. My mom had to leave Lord of the Rings <gasps> in order to come find me. That is a story. Maya, you should have led with this. Yeah. <laughs> a whistle? Why did you let me go on about the Nick Jonas <laughs> What kind of whistle? <laughs> it was like one of those, it was like a marching band with my sister. We were marching around the house, and it was like the, ooh, the ones you pull oh, on. wow. Those were like an instrument. <gasps> yeah, and I'm like five, and I have like elephant feet, and just tripped, <laughs> and <laughs> just like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
mom's just like enjoying the council of Elrond, and and then like her like phone her rings, the one that she has to like pull the like <laughs> antenna, antenna out, flip it open, simpler step times. Out. Yeah, I'm telling you. Oh Maya, thank you for that backstory. Wow, are you? You're do you welcome. have a scar? I don't know. You want to look in the back of my throat? Yeah, Maybe after. We'll put a pin in it. I want to hear what Melissa thinks of the Council of Elrond. Well, I think, scene. I think going back to um, what you were saying, Erica, about how like the two wisest men in this whole council mm. don't even know what to do in the scene like right before, and so leading into it, everyone is kind of um, in chaos and like no one knows what's going on or like how to. They didn't even know that this ring was still, like, existing, and then um, Frodo pops it on the table, and they're like, oh my gosh, and um, then there's that one, what is his name, Bor- Bormir. Bormir. Great job. Bormir. Sourpuss. He's a sourpuss, this whole Great. Scene. But I actually love Great acting. Bormir. Me too. Oh, Sean Bean, man. That character development. Mm. He, okay, oh, keep going. Like, Sorry. Don't, like, he no doesn't spoilers. even eat, like, he is almost wooed by the power of this ring, too. Yes. And so everything's, like, chaos, and, like, nobody knows what to do, and, like, this other guy, Bormir, is like, uh, wow, how about we just use it, because, you know, this is a cool thing. Um, and so there's all this chaos going on, and it just emphasizes the, like, the contrast between, like, the smallest person in the room from, like, the smallest, like, tribe, in a way, and the smallest, um, like, presence or like probably the least amount of like desire to actually do something like this that's that extravagant he's the one that actually steps up even though he's like i don't even know how to get there but i'll do it wow melissa yeah, yeah. such a good part that's great way to catch on to that that is good. that's great i think that that's huge and you know i mean i think you've touched on it but you see everyone get immediately heated they all stand up they're fighting they're arguing and you see the ring just explode i mean this is this ring i mean you see the ring being becoming a character in these movies in scenes like this i mean um frodo looks at the ring and he sees the flames blow up around the ring because the ring is getting energy off of everybody fighting and arguing and what this is what this ring lives for and so do you think that ring is getting energy or causing the discord causing. oh yeah definitely causing and then gandalf does the whole spiritual warfare thing again. he does yeah again. super great extended edition scenes in this great yeah that's this an part extended of the movie. edition yeah. yeah i think by energy i mean like i think it it almost feels like it's mocking it is the feeling that i got from the mm. ring like it had kind of like this mocking like muahahaha like it's happening kind of thing yes it was causing it but it was getting intoxicated by what was happening around mm-hmm. it that i thought completely agree was really cool um so yeah jenny you had i was just going to the... say that maya paused the movie to talk about one specific part during the scene i was scene just going to bring that up love for her to talk about yeah go for it Okay, well, uh, Boromir, we need to remember, is the son of the steward of Gondor, and Gondor is a kingdom in the south, um, past the Misty Mountains, towards warmer climates, and the steward has been on the throne and in charge of Gondor. It's a mighty kingdom, and this is when... It's like the main kingdom of men, right? Yeah. It's like the big one. Rohan is like the small horse kingdom outside of Gondor, (laughs) Okay, and... Gondor's the big one. It's like the Melissa will get there. Yeah. You, two Towers unpacks this all. Keep going, sorry. So, so Aragorn is actually the heir to the throne, 
And so when Boromir and Aragorn meet, it's a big deal. Big because tension. Aragorn up to this point was named Strider, and everyone called him Strider, especially in the book. And then now he's Aragorn at Rivendale. And as Aragorn, his name is being used more, and his identity is revealed, and he's a big threat to Boromir. Because Boromir obviously would be the one to inherit the stewardship title of Gondor and does not respect Aragorn for leaving Mm -hmm. his kingdom and not taking ownership. Mm -hmm. Again, with the allegory, in us, do we leave our royal identity? Do we walk away from it? Mm -hmm. Because of shame. Because I think that's an important part is um, Aragorn hits on that a few times, especially with Arwen, how he's ashamed and embarrassed because his ancestor is a sealdor who couldn't destroy the ring when he had the chance and he's worried that the same thing will happen to him if he's put in that situation and so it's almost like this noble thing he's trying to do to take himself away from the throne but yet everybody knows that he's going to be a great leader if he just steps into that position i think that's huge yeah but the fact that boromir is so threatened by aragorn but aragorn hasn't even claimed the throne it's not like he's come to be like I'm going to take up the... I'm I'm here for Gondor now. He hasn't even admitted that that's something he is trying to do. It seems like he almost accidentally stumbled upon this council, and he's like, all right, I guess it's time to come clean. <laughs> like, that is who I am. <laughs> and so the fact that Boromir is so threatened by that, and Melissa, you'll see that tension be played out. You're right. Like, Boromir is totally seduced and tempted by this ring, and... You see that played up so, so much in the second part. The weakness of men, but Aragorn is almost the strength in men. So we see weakness, 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 and Aragorn is afraid of that weakness, but Mm -hmm. he has the strength in him. Yeah, which makes him, but he's also imperfect. Like, you see him struggle in these movies, which makes him just such an important hero. Um, And the fact that he is rooting so much, he knows that, his success, the success of the fellowship is dependent on everybody doing their part. Like, there's not one hero in this movie that is like, it's up to me. It's up to them. Like, that's what's so powerful about this fellowship and what's so special about this first movie because, because they're all together. They're all embarking on this. The, the load is being shared together. And I think Frodo, obviously, is extremely grateful for that. Um, but, and they're also yeah. different too. Yeah. They like share their different strengths and like different backgrounds that mm-hmm. contribute to it. Great yeah. point. Yeah, huge point. I mean, Gimli and Legolas. We see some butting of heads there, which is a fun friendship. That's that... the dwarf and the elf. But we're getting. Oh, it. Do you remember that at the end? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but they have they have some fun lines that I think were extended edition, especially that I that I noticed. Um, but that is the end of the first part. So the nine, they all get together and they are going to All take different shapes and sizes. All different shapes and sizes. And they have come together and they're going to take <clears throat> the ring to, to Mordor with Frodo. And then Merry and Pippin come in and they have no idea what's going on. And Elrond epically says, and you shall be called the Fellowship of the Ring. And Pippin says, wait. Where are we going? <laughs> he has no idea where they're going, and it's just the most wholesome thing. That the DVD actually ends on that line. It just goes, "Where are we going?" Blackout. So we feel that it's fitting to end there. Um, really fun unpacking. Any final thoughts for this for this week's episode? The first episode. 
Let's go to Mordor. Let's Mordor. go to Mordor.